Hi, welcome to Talking in Bed. I'm your host, Jen, and this is an opinion-based podcast. I share my thoughts about whatever's on my mind, and sometimes you might disagree with my opinion, or you might think I'm misinformed or ill-informed. If you ever feel frustrated by that, just remember that this is not a research-based piece of journalism. I'm just a woman with an opinion and a microphone. Hope you enjoy! tips for him? I would not blame her if she pulled out of this at the last minute. I, I, don't, I don't think you need to have just seen the pilot episode of The Crown to get a basic sense of she might be marrying into a family that could cause her some emotional complications. But this generation seems like nice people, right? They're all nice now, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, they're, they're, a, they're an emotionally stunted group of fundamentally flawed people doing a very silly pseudo job. That's what she's marrying into. So I, I hope she likes it. It's going to be weird for her. What you just heard was a recording from um, three years ago. It was right before, uh, sometime before Meghan and Harry got married. Not long before they got married. Um, and it's John Oliver on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And that's what his take on... The royal family and what Meghan was marrying into. That's what it was at the time. And uh, some whatever silly YouTube news organization called Now This News. They, you know, this got suggested to me. They put it together kind of a week ago uh, when the interview with Meghan and Harry and Oprah happened. And um, I have had the phrase... I hope she likes it. It's going to be weird for her. It's been playing on loop in my head. I can't. (laughs) I just am saying it to myself at random times during the day. I I I hope she likes it. It's going to be weird for her. (laughs) Just continuously throughout the day. Um, And I just really had to share that with you guys because I've been... um, It's the reality that I've been living with since the interview that I haven't even been able to watch in its entirety. I've only watched clips for whatever reason. I'm not able to find a full uh, video of it. And I'm really surprised because on YouTube, usually eventually something will come up. Somebody will have a, you know, a um, whatever, like... Who, I think CBS did aired the interview and usually someone will have recorded it somehow and put it on. But maybe people are and it's getting taken down right away or copyright stricken. <laughs> copyright striped? Struck? <laughs> what do you say there? Um, but that has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. What we're actually talking about today is um it's definitely a much more like I have a clear idea of what we're talking about so the rambling will be kept to a minimum today (laughs) uh it's sort of I don't have like a script script but I have a much this is probably the most research that I've done for an episode and I um it's just kind of the most that I've 
written that I really want to, I want to read what I have, but I also don't, you know, when it gets to the real meat of things, I don't necessarily have a, uh, a clear idea of where we're going yet. Um, you know, whatever it all, <laughs> it, we'll see how it develops as we go along. So my last episode got whatever a higher number of listens than it usually does and I thought okay you know I really enjoyed talking about comedy I dealt with a lot of self-consciousness this week about how people had taken my opinions you know just in com like whatever three comments that I had read um on Reddit and stuff and some people really didn't agree <laughs> one guy gave it zero stars and too much rambling and um and then that person came back later and said well actually it, maybe it wasn't that bad um so kind of a mixed review of different opinions but I liked talking about comedy and the different comedians that I talked about and I realize that for a lot of people who have listened up until this point, you might not like stand-up comedy. It might not, might not like, mean anything to you. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of how it is. I hope that you, I hope you like it. It's going to be weird for you. <laughs> um, today we're going to talk about Crystalia. And naturally, my fucking computer is going to freeze up every time that I need to use it. That's just, I've been working at it all day and it will freeze up if I need it. You know, that's how it is. Um, but I can see what I've got at the top here. So, <clears throat> I've spent the whole day pretty much, like, taking notes and watching stuff from Delia. I've really like taken in his aroma, his persona, his corona. <laughs> um but I realize that a lot of people maybe don't know him or have heard his name because of things that have happened, but they don't kind of know the whole situation. Um, so I'm going to do as quick of a rundown as I can, because I know that some people are very familiar with him. So what am I going to do? You know, you got to try and satisfy everybody. So um, Chris Lee, he's an American stand-up comedian, actor, writer, podcast host. He uh, was on a show called Whitney with Whitney Cummings. He's been on Undateable, The Good Doctor, and notably, he played Henderson on the Netflix thriller series, You. And he's been, like, acting and doing comedy since 1997. He's been in the biz that long. In June of uh, 2020, Delia was accused of, of course, I'm trying to scroll and the fucking computer is frozen. And as Chris would say, yes, I'm trying to use my computer and the screen is frozen. Yes, I cannot scroll for no good reason. Yes. And then when I try to, try to reload the page, it won't reload. Yes. This is going really well. 
I literally have to disconnect from the internet and then reconnect in order to get my browser to work. Do you like that? <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, let's get into some serious stuff now. <laughs> uh, in June of 2020, Delia was accused of sexual harassment, grooming, and solicitation of nude photos by multiple underage girls. Delia denied the allegations, saying that he had neither knowingly pursued an underage woman at any point, nor met or exchanged any inappropriate photos with the people who have tweeted about me, him. Uh, so I want to read the tweet that kicked the whole thing off. Let, oh, do you think that I have that up? Why would I have that up? Of course I don't. Okay, so um, this is Googleable. I don't, her name was never uh, like censored or anything. So I don't feel like I'm doing anything bad by saying her Twitter handle is girlpowertbh. And on June 16th she of 2020, she tweeted out, I still can't believe Netflix cast Crystalia as the pedophile in season two, spelled T-O, of you. Like, the literal irony. And, um, and then she shows some, it was, I guess it's a series of tweets. I didn't realize that. But then she shows some screenshots of messages that she sent with Chris Dell. We assume that's Chris Delia or Chris Deli. Is that what that says? Um, so one of them says, imagine being 16 and being groomed by a stand-up comedian twice your age and the only reason you never met up and never got physically molested was because you had just gotten a boyfriend your own age. For the longest time, I thought it was embarrassing for me that I was interacting with this older man, but he was the one who DM'd me on Twitter and was the one who was twice my age. And was the one that used the power imbalance between us to his advantage. So fuck Crystalia. I am also definitely not the only underage girl he did this to. Just an FYI. For the longest time, I thought this was just a funny story to tell at parties when I realized what happened isn't normal and that he was and could still be doing this to younger girls. And it's my job to say something. So that really, sorry, I just caught, got spit in my throat. Uh, that really kicked off the whole thing um and later on Chris came back with receipts in particular to this woman's tweets and it showed that you know they didn't meet up I guess partly because of her age she says it's because she had just gotten a boyfriend and the interesting thing is that I believe she did message him when she was 21 or something saying like, hey, I'm old enough now. And um, in general, the receipts that he has come forward with, you know, emails and text messages do show that he didn't pursue a girl once he learned that she was underage. But it's like he literally would be messaging girls who like, he would have to find out what their age was. And, you know, he's 40 now. And this is <clears throat> five years ago that this was happening. So it's like, imagine a 35-year-old man writing with girls who's like 
he's not sure if they're underage or not. It's not illegal, but I've talked about this before. It's like, why do you have to get it that close? Why did it have to be that close to illegal? You know, <clears throat> let's keep going. I know a lot of people have already <laughs> shut this off because they think that I'm, I don't know, whatever. In March 2021, Delia was sued by an anonymous woman in U.S. federal court on allegations that Delia sexually abused her while she was 17 years old and demanded sexually explicit images from her own <clears throat> from her over social media. This led to the exchange of more than 100 sexually explicit photos and videos via Snapchat in a period of six or seven months in 2014 and 2015, half of which were of the woman while she was 17 years old. In a statement, a, so a spokesperson for Delia said that he denies the allegations and will vigorously defend himself against them in court. It was hard for me to get a final number on how many women had stories about sleeping with Chris but the thing was, was that when this all started to come out, it was like a shocking amount of women came forward and said that they had at least slept with him and said, well, I was 17 and he messaged me or I was 20. And, uh, you know, him sleeping with a 20 year old is like the, the bigger thing that came forward was not that he had done something illegal. It was that he had done he had behaved in such a like gross way and prior to this he would really talk about um being like being sexually active was you know he kind of acted like he was the man like a big macho man and then these messages were like embarrassing like truly something that a 15 year old would write like do you want to like make out with me do you want to cuddle with me it was just like you read it and you were like this is the man who like acts like this you know he's so concerned about who's a pussy and who's not and who's a cuck and who's not and you know I think that really betrayed some internal stuff that was going on within him that he didn't even apparently realize was going on um so chris has made chris made an initial statement saying yes he slept around but all of his relations were legal and consensual he has maintained that position uh even in a recent video that he released at the end of february and added to that in that video i think it's called like it's been a while uh, and he says he's a sex addict, sex controlled his life, he cheated on his fiance, which my mouth literally dropped open. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't realize that before, but when he said it, I, I was shocked. I was shocked when he said that. And the mother of his child, his baby, a little kid. <clears throat> and now Chris is in therapy. Um... So there is an ongoing lawsuit, just to clarify that. On February 10th of 2017, Chris started a podcast called Congratulations. It built a really big, loyal following over the years. And when the uh, allegations started to be made and there was this like avalanche of women who came forward on Twitter, Chris stopped posting his weekly podcast. There was about a nine-month break between 
episodes. And during that time, or it was just a nine-month break, right? And during that time, Chris went totally dark on social media. Fans thought that he and the podcast might never come back. I have been an on-again, off-again fan of D'Elia. His stand-up specials are really different than his podcast. His stand-up specials don't make me laugh whatsoever. His behavior on stage is, like, so twitchy and hyper. He is, like, a high-energy kind of guy, but his stand-up is, like, it's not good. And, but the podcast was, felt much more improvised and a lot more um, silly. You know, it was much more like talking to a friend than listening to somebody do bits that they've really thought a lot about um and the podcast really shines and having these kind of like meme-like aspects to it these running gags and jokes and bits and different sound effects that are continuously there that are that are funny that really punch up um funny statements um, and in general, like, I mean, sometimes I thought his opinions, he'll share his opinions very passionately about things. Sometimes I thought his opinions were interesting. They were on target. Sometimes I thought he was totally wrong. Um, when Delia got canceled, I was shocked. I didn't expect it. Um, I certainly believe the women who came forward. I, when it comes to this lawsuit, I do feel like there, you know, there needs to be evidence that this has happened and it has to be provable. Um, I don't believe that somebody would go to the length of filing a lawsuit that doesn't have a basis. This is a really serious allegation against him. Um... And, uh, so ever since he went dark, I've, he's never really left my mind. That sounds very romantic, but I've always been kind of curious if he would come back and, and in a, I certainly missed the podcast in a sense. Um, you know, I thought it was a pretty good show. As I'm talking about it, I realize like, I'm saying that I believe the women who came forward. Of course, I hope that he wasn't exchanging, that he wasn't collecting nude images from a literal child. I mean, a minor, let's say that. I really hope that that was not the case. I don't really see how it couldn't be. Why would you lie about something like that? There's no good reason to lie about that, you know? Um, so it, it gives me kind of a... Uh, I'm very on the fence. I, I definitely don't think that a lawsuit gets filed. I'm going to repeat myself 17 times now. At the same time, I don't, you know wish for that to be the case he has a son and a fiance and you know we'll get into that more anyway uh he's back he released two new episodes on march 13th and march 19th of this year 2021 i think it's a very interesting moment to 
here we have somebody who got canceled so hard and i mean we weren't even sure he was alive it was just like completely disappeared all his friends abandoned him except for one i think theo vaughn like stuck by him and now he's back and it's like he's back from the dead in terms of the internet and he has this lawsuit against him with pretty serious allegations um and he's not even close to being out of the clear so we don't know what the outcome is going to be we don't know what the current situation is going to be or we don't know what it will turn into eventually um but he has a fiance he has a child and it's kind of like what else was he gonna do he's not dead he he doesn't have any sponsors of course he lost all his sponsors um so you know i think he thought enough people like the podcast that i could go back and and do that and just try and see what what is there for me to salvage of my career because if i'm not going to die and i'm not going to go to jail then i guess i have to do something you know um so i went to watch the newest episode ep uh, yeah, episode. Uh, just to see, like, how is he living? What is his life now? And um, <clears throat> what he talked about was the new Chris. Not Well, I can't really say he talked about it. He referenced a new Chris. And so that got me thinking about the old Chris. And I wanted to compare the new and old Chris. So I've really gone back and forth on how to um, approach this because I did take notes for two different episodes before and after the cancellation. It, it's just that, you know, I kind of, I, I think that if you're a Crystalia fan, you know what he was like in the past. And if you've been watching his recent ones you see what he's like now and if you haven't then you know you don't know <laughs> um let's just dive in so i'm looking at episode 178 go bald and die this is his second post cancellation episode i decided not to do <clears throat> the first one that he released post cancellation because i just thought I want to just get into it. You know, I don't want to be on the fresh stuff. I want to settle into it a little more. It's not settled in at all, of course. But I want to kind of see where are we uh, a week into it. So the episode starts. Now he records a video, a YouTube video for the podcast of him recording the audio for the podcast. So you can watch it or you can listen to it. And, you know, it's, it's a different experience for both. He starts out the episode uh, not looking at the camera, drinks out of his mug. His hair is just, how is it always wet looking? It's just constantly and always wet looking. I don't understand that at all. Uh, is it a gel issue? It just has never made sense to me. And so 
At eight seconds in, he starts speaking. He seems upset about being there. He really did not seem that excited about being there. Um, and I think he probably just said something, you know, just said, hey, it's congratulations with Crystalia. And then the theme music kicks in. And it's another couple of seconds of him not doing anything, like maybe glancing at the camera, but not saying anything while this theme music plays. You know, sometimes I get self-conscious about how much I say um in my own podcast, how much I go on about things, if there's a silent pause while I'm thinking about stuff. At 30 seconds in, we have barely heard him say anything. It, so it's, and I hadn't watched a video for a long time. So it was, I, I kind of didn't remember if it was always like this or if this was different. And I guess I'll kind of jump forward to the next episode, which I decided to do his penultimate pre-cancellation episode. So episode 175, Difficult Times. And so right off the bat, it is like high energy, bang, talking like, a, you know, what is it? A million miles a minute or something. Just really like straight out of the gate. He is at 100%. And it was a shocking difference in terms of his energy level. I mean, throughout the whole episode of 175, uh, just no comparison. Like if I could have, if I was a mathematical person and I could have quantified how many words per minute he spoke in the episode 175 versus episode 178, the one that was released on March 19th, rather. I mean, I can't imagine what the difference would be because it was fast, so much to say. He almost had like more than he could even get out, right? It was like all of his words were trying to get out at once. And meanwhile, on the most recent episode, it was like so quiet, low energy. You know, and as soon as the episode starts, uh, 175, you're going to have to get on board with the numbers because that's how I'm going to refer to him. His eyebrows are going all over the place. He's doing all kinds of hand motions. So it was a it was a stark and shocking difference. And what was interesting is that I, I couldn't really remember. I knew that he was high energy on the podcast. I couldn't remember if he was always kind of started out with high energy or if he tended to start out a little lower energy and then kind of warm up and get into it. And um, so it was just I was happy is the wrong word it was just a notable difference the funny thing about his hair is that he talked for a long time about um his hair he learned to cut his own hair during corona and he says i you know no offense to all the guys who have given me haircuts in the past but you know this haircut that I'm giving myself is like the best that I've ever given 
uh, gotten rather and he he talks a long time about his process for cutting his hair and as someone who cuts their own hair i understand it is a process and um he tells a story about when he was a kid and this barber that his dad had taken him to when chris was eight years old like asked at the end if he wanted a retail and chris somehow didn't get what it was and he asked his dad afterward and his dad asked if he wanted a rat tail which when chris was eight that would have been like totally hot and cool which is kind of weird to me that as an eight-year-old he didn't understand what a rat tail was i'm not gonna do math right now but rat tails would have been very popular for little boys at the time i just know that because they were popular for little boys when i was you know a kid in the early 90s so i was kind of uh i was surprised by that and now that i'm talking i realize that chris is only six years older than me and we just seem like worlds away from each other that is i don't i don't know how i didn't realize that before but uh, I didn't really understand it. So, uh, now what he really starts out saying is that uh, they're filming and recording really late. It's almost 11 o'clock. Um, and he references his current situation or the current situation. And he says that he's had to stop not thinking and start self-reflecting, which surprised me that if you're only starting to do that at 40, I feel like they're speaking of like emotionally stunted people from the top of the episode talking about the royal family i that is it's odd to me that he only is just now starting to do that it was surprising to me so what's really funny about comparing the two episodes is that in 175 which is pre-cancellation the this was uh, filmed or recorded the day on June 4th of 2020. And it was the day after Blackout Tuesday. So it was the day after people had posted the black squares on Instagram. It was really like such a peak moment in terms of the Black Lives Matter protests that were going on at the time and of course a lot of people it was a very emotional time a lot of people had a lot of feelings on it and chris to his credit i think that he he expressed a lot of things that i have also felt as a white person looking at it um i took notes on that but <clears throat> the the really crazy thing to me is that chris in the recent episode 178 talked for a long time about hair cutting his own hair getting his hair cut he does a bit on um women getting their hair cut and that his fiance will you know bring a sleeping bag with her to the um to the hair salon because it takes three days and i thought it was it was cute and funny but it was like In, in the older episode, he is talking about current events, and he has a lot to say about it. Now, you could say that um, it was just a moment where a lot of people had a lot of things to say, so maybe that was kind of a key element there. 
he talked about that for a long time. He talked about Black Lives Matter and his opinion on things and um, how he saw everything. And <clears throat> to couple, to compare that with this pretty, like, low energy, not unfunny talk about hair, but it it was just such a big difference to go from, like, the absolute hottest of, you know, most relevant current events to talking about hair in two really different, completely different energy levels. Um, you know, as I watched him talk about the Black Lives Matter stuff, because to me, I thought he was saying stuff that was good. It was good ally talk, you know? And I thought, it's not like he can't talk about current events. Of course he can talk about current events. Now, are they going to be as emotional as what was going on at that time in early June of 2020? It's so weird to think about the summer of 2020 now. You know, it was a real... And that episode really brought me back to that time period and watching all of that going on and... And, um, I don't see why, because Chris really doesn't talk about current events at all in the most recent episode, whereas in the older episode, 175, um, it, it takes up a lot of what he talks about. He really reacts to stuff that's on Twitter, uh, we'll get into the documentary that he talks about, but I don't see why he couldn't discuss current events now he might have less energy for it I can understand that he might just I'm just not sure what he feels like would prevent him because the the starkest contrast so energy level is one huge difference and in the more recent episode uh, or the most recent, I mean, he doesn't talk about current events at all. He talks almost exclusively about his son and his fiance and their home life. And that's fine. I think it's, it's fine. It's very interesting from this kind of um, observational perspective. That's kind of why I'm watching. I think that's probably why a lot of people are watching is this kind of I don't know if it's morbid curiosity, but it's curiosity. It's like, wow, you, I mean, your career just imploded. And, like, what are you up to? You know, like, what do you have to say for yourself? Because this is crazy, you know. And so I, I have to wonder why he is choosing to talk about his home life versus just talking about current events when it's not like he got in trouble for saying something uh, that would be considered not supportive of Black Lives Matter. He's very supportive of it and I, I mean I really appreciated a lot of what he had to say and I understood a lot of what he was 
saying and and I took notes on it but it's just not relevant to what we're talking about you know my opinion on what he said is not as important as uh, you know taking that further step back and looking comparing what it was that was on his mind another really significant thing that comes through is how self-aware he is he you really sense that he's walking on eggshells he's trying not to say the wrong thing and walk into the wrong area or topic um and what was funny for me is that as I was taking notes there were like four or five pretty significant cuts and I really had to wonder about what was not making it the cut and sometimes it would be like he was talking about his fiance and he would be getting mm, upset but not in a really angry way I guess you could say it was that thing where it's hard to tell if somebody's joking around or if they're um you know, or if it's a more serious thing, and you gotta wonder what that, what must it be like for them? What must that be like for her? You know, she, I don't know exactly when their baby was born. He did mention that the son is almost a year old, so I think the baby was born by June, and just try and imagine You've just had a baby and then everything about your life comes crashing down. As the mother, you think that you have found your partner and then you find out, I don't, I, I, you know, of course I think, uh, must have been a surprise to her also that he was cheating and I just can't imagine what their home life must must be like you know what must their relationship be like I'm sure that they did talk about breaking up and um it just must be very hard for her and for both of them, and to still have a lawsuit hanging over them, it's, I, I can't imagine it. I just, and then raising a child in the middle of that, I, I really, it's hard to wrap your head around it, really. And so you really, get, that comes through very strongly in the episode, that there is a lot of um, tension in his life and he's pretty down he's pretty depressed about it uh and I can't imagine that she's doing too great either you know now this is something that I had thought about as I was taking notes I was thinking about like did coronavirus put a stop to his cheating because you know he's he talks at some point I'm jumping around a little bit we're not going note for note you know this is just kind of an overview but 
He talks about being in group therapy. I think he doesn't... Well, he references what I imagine was group therapy. I can't remember the wording that he used exactly, but it made me think, oh, this sounds like a group therapy thing. Sex addiction. And, um, you know, I started to think, okay, so he's got this tremendously, you know, career... You know, he's just standing in the rubbles of his career and um, trying to, you know, pick up some bricks. And he's got a relationship that, like, God only knows how that is really going for them. He's raising a child. And that's all very stressful. And... Now he's in treatment for what I imagine was a pretty significant stress reliever for him, which was sex with multiple partners. And I thought, wow, that now not to sympathize with somebody who's habitually cheating on their, you know, long term partner. But it's kind of like, wow, that probably adds a whole other layer of stress is that he can't do the thing that would help him (laughs) relieve his stress and it was it took me a little while to kind of come to the thought like oh yeah but when that happened it was already a couple of months into corona he wouldn't have been touring so I wondered like was he already kind of forced into a monogamous a truly monogamous situation by corona Or was he still actively cheating? And, of course, it brings up questions about what their sex life is like. That's nobody's business. But, of course, it pops into my head. Like, what must that be like for them? How is it going now? (laughs) Is that enough for him? You know, it sounds like he's somebody who has a pretty high sex drive. Uh, It just... it, It... So I, it brought up a lot more, you know, I don't have answers to those questions, but it did make me wonder about how is everyday life between Chris and Kristen really going? Um, so the real highlights that come through in episode 178, he talks about his fiance. He doesn't have necessarily glowing things to say about her. It, I think it seems clear to me that they have a tense relationship right now and it's very domestic and that that might be difficult for him sometimes. He doesn't talk about them fighting. There's no reference to them fighting. There's no reference to their sex life. There's no reference to much between them besides what you kind of would hear it's very like boomery kind of (laughs) references like oh uh, you know stuff about that I didn't do this I didn't put the dishes away or you know this kind of like the the trials and tribulations of domestic life and how men and women navigate that together and women are nagging so really falling into that kind of stereotypical idea of how women are and I still don't hear him 
empathizing. I, I don't hear it. I don't see it and I don't really hear it. Now, what's funny is that when he talked about the BLM uh, protests in episode 175, he, um, does he empathize? I, he, what he says is, I don't know, but I also know I don't know. I can't imagine what it's like to be a black woman or a black man. I'll never know what that's like. And, um, so is that empathy? It's, it's awareness. I think when he talked about Black Lives Matter, he had a lot of awareness. As much as one can have who's not living it, you know, you sort of take in the information that people tell you, you believe what they say, and you try and make sense of it in your own head. And I really think that he tried to do that with enough awareness. Um, I think when it comes to his fiance, I don't really get a sense that he uh, really appreciates the fact that she could have left and she didn't. I don't know. I, you know, I, I'm not obviously like there are things happening in his private life that I we are not privy to. Uh, that's just how it, it sounded. That kind of emotion wasn't coming through. And I think what I would have expected is that knowing that we as the audience are looking at that and seeing your fiance who you admitted to cheating on has stayed with you. For better or for worse, you know, what What was she going to do, you know? I, I imagine that she was at least somewhat financially dependent on him. I don't can't imagine what their finances are like right now. Um, you know, obviously, she was, like, hoping to have somebody help her support the child. So, obviously, she benefits from staying to an extent, but she could have just as easily left. I don't, I didn't get enough of a sense that he really appreciates that. I think in talking about her, I would have wanted to hear him praising her as a partner, saying something about that she's a good mom, that she's patient with him that she's supporting him through his recovery that that did not come through whatsoever those kind of positive statements about her it was a lot more about her nagging him or just uh kind of complicating his life in some ways and that's tough. I'm sure that he is very frustrated with his life. That's not her fault, you know? He, uh, and one of the things that frustrates him is their dogs. They have, like, two or three dogs. I'm a little unclear on how many dogs it was, but they pee on a corner of the couch. That's a thing that he kept coming back to, which really painted, like, kind of a, kind of a gross picture of the house uh that made me feel sad I have to say hearing him say multiple times the dogs pee on one corner of the couch uh and 
one of the dogs was just like a stray that Kristen had apparently picked up in a place called Panorama City. It, they live in California. And what it made me, it reminded me of is when I was, I went to Southern California once many, many years ago. And there was a city called City of Industry outside of LA. That's the name of the city is City of Industry. And I thought when I heard Panorama City, I was like, what? is going on in California that they pick the weirdest names for their cities that it's like either a Spanish name or a weird name and I couldn't I mean that was just so strange to me Panorama City and it seemed like the dogs really stress him out and he doesn't really like that about you know their home life and and it seems like he kind of, I got the sense that he blames her for the for them having these dogs. And again, it's like, I don't really think that that's what people want to hear from you, is you complaining about this woman who is staying with you despite the fact that you've humiliated her, like, in like to a colossal to a level that's like not even imaginable it was a lot of him feeling bad for himself it's understandable I mean sometimes when you start going to therapy and you've got a lot of stuff to work through and he has a lot of stuff to work through uh you do kind of go into this like self-pity place where you you start to realize like all these things that happened to you in your life that weren't right and you start digging through it and you feel all of this pain about things that you didn't let yourself feel pain about for a long time. And um, I imagine that's probably part of what he's been working through. Um, that's not Kristen's fault. I... I I hope that Chris can get there one day that he can realize that it's not Kristen's fault that he managed his stress and buried his feelings under sex addiction, you know? Um, the highlights were uh, how he talks about his son. He has such what seems like a very you know, a devoted kind of love for his son. That was really nice to hear. It was nice to see this um, gentler side to him when he talks about how much he loves his son. And it sounds like him and Kristen, as parents, as co-parents, let's say, that they are really trying to do a good job to make sure this child has a good life. Um, at the end of the episode, toward the end, he talks He talks quite a few times about um, that he cries, like, often, you know. He's kind of <laughs> constantly, he's crying in the car, he's crying in the house. He One line that he said that really did make me laugh was, um, he's talking about he wants to teach his son feelings and to be emotional and he says by the way he's already seen his dad cry 468 times and that precise number really made me cry 
it made me laugh oh my god looking at the word cry <laughs> it didn't make me cry it made me laugh um and then he said uh he his son hasn't really started talking yet and he said he he thinks about his son um calling him a pussy for crying that he would give him a trophy if those were his first words and then he right up around the end of the episode he uh expresses love for his son very moving moment and he says it's crazy that he could be watching this one day and then he looks right at the lens and he says i love you so much and that it's getting me choked up now thinking about it and it was just a very real moment and i i felt happy for chris that he had that he has this kind of pure source of love in his life I think what worries me is that think about you know this ha this occurrence in the history of this family it, it's not just going to kind of pass and that's it this is now you know written in stone this is the reality from which the family will continue going forward. And that's going to affect his son. And, you know, I, I thought about how... I can't imagine that the adults in Chris's life are really pleased with him. You know, I, I hope that to a certain extent they're trying to move on with life and you know even murderers families tend to not like what their child did but they it's their child you know and so i think it's interesting that the person who he speaks the most lovingly about is his son because his son doesn't can't judge him you know, his son is his own flesh and blood. It's his family who will ostensibly never leave him. And I, I worry that he's putting a lot of emotional dependence into the relationship with his son because it is a source of un... It's a source of joy that's unconnected from all of the other difficult relationships in his life. And he lost a lot of his friends over this. A lot of his friends completely ditched him. Whether for better or for worse, they did. Okay. Um and so I I, I feel worried about that, you know? How that will be for his relationship with his son what what's the emotional situation in the house gonna be like for his son growing up um now this <laughs> was kind of i don't know it was like a metaphor that sort of came forward to me uh he's talking about the dogs and uh he says something like the proverbial you right when people mean i statements but they say you 
So he says, you tend to take dogs for granted. Uh, you're annoyed when they pee in the house or they snap at you and your reaction is like, hey, you, you got a good. Um, and then he says, but one day the dogs ran away. He left the gate open. He realized it too late. The dogs ran away. And then they just came back later on. And he was like, you know, d you know how good dogs have to get it to be able to leave through the open gate and then just come back. That's how good it is for his dogs, at least. Um, and he said, that's their world, man. They're wolves. And they just left and came back. And it just made me really think, like, <laughs> and I might be wrong. I mean, I'm just kind of, this is what I thought when I heard that. I thought there is more to that idea of the the dogs being simultaneously domesticated but also having this wild animal nature to them and I thought it's kind of like Chris like he was sort of living this double life like the gate was open for him in his head he was having a career having a domestic life and acting like a Neanderthal, you know, going out through the open gate, whoever left it open, doing whatever his, like, you know, most primitive nature was driving him to do, or whatever you want to say. I don't really think it's about primitive nature. I think it's about his emotional and psychological uh, thinking about things, but... I thought that was a very interesting thing for him to notice, that the dogs had two natures within them, to be wild and to be domestic and to want both. I don't know. What the fuck do I know? I don't know. <laughs> um... And so jumping back over to episode 175, um, you know, I, I took so many more notes because he had so much more to say and just on such a, a wide range of topic and things that I could also have an opinion on. You know, I don't have as much of an opinion about haircuts and his fiance and his baby and his dogs. I don't have as much to say about that I, I I want to acknowledge that <laughs> he had a long bit about using depends and in the subreddit the Crystalia subreddit for the um the thread for this recent episode people were kind of saying like yeah that's kind of that's a little bit sad now there were other things in this that made me feel sad like the dogs peeing on the couch and um, just the way that he talks about his fiance, those things made me feel sad and made me feel like, oh, this is like, this is a rough time period. Uh, the Depends thing actually did not make me feel that sad for him. But that's because I kind of understand, like, I don't know, maybe women get up to pee during the night more often, but <laughs> I don't know, I didn't think it was 
like the craziest thing I'd ever heard. I'm not, I, I haven't reached that point in my life where that would be a necessity, but some people, as I read, they were kind of like, this is like weird, you know, that's really, ugh, that he's like openly admitting that he's going to use Depends. I think I kind of thought it was like a joke, you know, it's just something that he's doing to make himself laugh. But I don't know. I mean, he, it, it was hard to tell. I think I, it was hard for me to tell how serious he was about, about that. Um, so jumping back into the older episodes, I think the older episodes probably are very like interchangeable, you know, his energy level, nothing would be wrong. There would be nothing wrong. Whereas all of these new episodes are going to be very interesting because it's a man who has been absolutely, his life went atomic. And it's going to be a man picking up the pieces every week. For as long as he's able to, God only knows what's going to happen with this lawsuit. But it's like, the older episodes... They're very interchangeable. Now, the f really ironic thing about picking this episode rather than the last episode that he did is that in this one, he talks about the Epstein documentary. I mean, can you talk about ironic? Um, and so whenever he was talking about Epstein, talked about it for a long time. And he talks about, it's, in this particular episode, there's a famous moment, you know, this kind of clip was going around where he basically, like, denies that there's any kind of um, pedophile rings in Hollywood. Like, he doesn't believe it. He thinks it's ridiculous. And people were like, uh, this is weird, you know, like, weird that he would have just said that recently. And it's not like Chris was a, he wasn't going after eight-year-olds. Do you know what I mean? Um, it, it's just, you know, to, to not believe it, to not believe that there's like a pedophilia ring when you know that there were celebrities being shipped down to the islands to hang out with teenage girls is like, <laughs> it, it, it's crazy. I can't even kind of wrap my head around that one, you know? it. So as he's talking about this documentary and, you know, these celebrities who are mentioned in the documentary that were, like, going down to Epstein's Island multiple times, interacting with teenage girls, I really looked for signs in his behavior and the things that he was saying that indicated, like, ooh, he, uh, that seems like a little sign there. And he references that. So weird. He references people saying about him, like conspiracy theorist people, saying that if he uh, behaves a certain way, if he looks left or something, like that's some little sign that he's a pedophile. And, um, you know, Chris obviously has something to hide. And, you know, he sort of behaves like that's crazy. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like, either you really didn't get it or you're like this amazing actor and you're not an amazing actor. So you really got to think like, 
he he must have really thought that he wasn't doing anything wrong and he says that in the most recent video what does he say uh he was talking to a friend of his and he was saying to the friend you know a friend that's left and he was saying i didn't what was so wrong about what i did or was it was it wrong to like i guess use his kind of position and his power and the friend said uh it was it wasn't wrong until it was i'm paraphrasing i don't remember exactly but and that clicked for Chris. He was kind of like, okay, like, there just came a point where he crossed the line with it. And so he watches this whole Epstein documentary with friends. And it, and the whole time he keeps, when he's talking about it, he's like, I wanted them to, like, expose, like, who was down there and who did what. You know, like, let's get the details. And I have to wonder if he didn't, when, you know, this all started to go haywire for him, I have to wonder if he didn't kind of understand why people were so fascinated with this because he, his reaction to the Epstein documentary, I thought that it was completely what other people would think. So it didn't, his reaction to it didn't make me think, uh, that something was amiss. It seems like such a normal reaction that you would want to know. There's, It's a documentary. It's so shocking and scandalous and horrible that you want to know the details. You want to know which celebrities have done what. Who was there and what did they do? And he comes back to that multiple times. Um, and... He talks about suicide, Epstein's quote-unquote suicide, right? Of course, he doesn't believe it was suicide. And um, it really made me think, damn, like, I bet you he thought about it. I bet you that he thought maybe my son and my fiancé's lives would be better without me. I don't know that. I don't know if it's okay for me to say that. It, it's not because I think that he should do that. Certainly not. I don't think that anybody should do that. Okay? I'm saying that if you're, if you're, if that happened to you on the scale to which it happened, this whole thing with Chris, how would that not cross your mind? Like, he ruined his life. He ruined the life that he had. Maybe he can build a new one. We don't know yet. He ruined the life that he had with addiction. He has used what seems to be like a number in the hundreds. He used that many women for his addiction just treating them like not even human beings and he acknowledges that he did that intentionally because he thought it was better that way to not treat them like people because at least it was um you know not maybe he thought he wasn't leading them on or something how would that not cross your mind and again for anybody that is in a dark place themselves that is not 
The answer, it is not. If, you know, if particular people can survive having their life literally ruined by their own doing, uh, please don't do that to yourself. <laughs> um, and, you know, that gets into the whole thing with the women. Like, if the women hadn't come forward, then his life wouldn't have been ruined. And how much did it really ruin their lives? Because it wasn't that bad, right? That's the, quote unquote, wasn't that bad. That's the conversation. And I wanted to kind of finish up there. Uh, and I'm going to read more tweets from um, the girl who initially kicked us all off, Simone. And it's in response to the Jane Doe who has filed a new lawsuit at the beginning of March against Chris um, having to do with child pornography. She is not suing him for the sex that they had, even though California, the age of consent is 18 and that's where the lawsuit was filed. I didn't know that you could just not sue somebody for that, but okay. She's only suing over the nude images that he supposedly has of her. So this is what, um, Simone had to say I retweeted this last night and waited to say something until today I stand with Jane Doe and I'm proud of her courage to come forward with her story I wholeheartedly support her and believe her it is incredibly hard to speak out against someone with power and status especially after this man dismissed the accusations of dozens of women in his quote-unquote apology on YouTube barely over a week ago by telling my story on June 16, 2020, I only hoped to warn young people about predatory adults, especially celebrities. It had taken me years in several gender studies courses to realize what I had thought was a cool story was actually dangerous and predatory. While we may see these things happening very often to women and girls, it happens to people of all genders everywhere and disproportionately affects black, indigenous, and other people of color, as well as LGBTQ plus people. Our society doesn't have a great track record of believing those who are able to find their voice in these situations. Anita Hill, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, even Monica Lewinsky, to name a few. We see sexual harassment and abuse of power everywhere. And though that tweet in particular was interesting to me. Yet yeah, as a society, we second guess victims and survivors. We ask, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you bring this up sooner? We proclaim it was just a joke or what happened wasn't even that bad. Or it's not even illegal. We quickly try and nullify the word of the victims. Cancel culture is the new scapegoat for many of those who want to denounce accountability. For these people, I ask, what do you call the abuse, harassment, and death threats that victims face when they tell their truths? So I really wanted to um, just focus on that uh, element of this whole thing is the idea that you know a lot of the things that Chris has that people have said about Chris and women have said about Chris is like it falls into the quote-unquote not that bad category and um so when she references Christine Blasey Ford who accused god what the fuck was his name that judge guy now 
Kavanaugh. She accused him of not rape, but sexual assault, and talks about how it was a traumatic event for her. Quote, unquote, even though she wasn't raped. And I think that we have a tendency to think of the only traumatic things that can happen are rape or child molestation, things that you are forced into against your whole will and not things that happen in real life, things that happen in the movies, right? I can assure you that if you don't know a woman who's been raped, you know a woman, many, many, many women that you know and love have been in situations that are quote unquote not that bad. And the whole thing with Me Too is that it even helped me reframe experiences that I have that would fall under not that bad, but were still not okay, like really, really not okay and violations in some way, but not things that I could necessarily charge someone with a crime. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I really think that that in the whole realm of talking about human rights, it's important that we can say like, okay, not that bad might still be bad. Even though it's not the worst, doesn't mean that it's okay. And it's okay for people to come forward and say, this was like really not okay for me. And it really kind of disturbed me that this happened. And I didn't realize it for a long time that it wasn't okay. And if you go back to listen to um, episode 175 and you listen to how he talks about um, Black Lives Matter and his perspective on all of that, and that he's really on the side of the people that are protesting. He says something that really st stuck out to me, which was a sentiment that I had, was like, I guess you should have listened when people were kneeling, and now they're rioting and looting, and you told them that it wasn't right for them to kneel as a form of peaceful protest. Guess what? The problem didn't go away. And now people are really fucking angry, you know? Um, and with Chris doing what he was doing, living how he was living, in his world of, I'm going to use all those buzzwords, male, white, straight, cis, wealthy, privilege, just acting like his number was never going to come up and behaving however he wanted because it wasn't that bad, quote-unquote. He stands by that it was legal and consensual. Legal and consensual shouldn't be the baseline for your sexual and romantic interactions with people. That shouldn't be the main descriptors of your interactions with the gender that you're attracted to you know what I mean so I think that he's just a really interesting case he offers us a very 
fascinating moment to look at what happens when somebody gets canceled and they have a life and they keep living and they have a family. What happens after that? What happens in their life? You know, and and why is it okay to realize that Chris is a human being? I can see that. I think I've expressed in this podcast, I see that he's a human being with feelings. Um, and I don't feel like what he did was okay. I don't think it's okay that it was just barely legal and consensual. That's not okay to me. Um, so pretty serious stuff, but I felt like I, I just have had it on my mind a lot. And it was interesting for me to talk about comedians in the last episode. And this is just such a, it's such a particular moment. I don't know how long it's going to last. You know, I don't know how long he's going to be doing these episodes with court cases still going on. Um, I hope that you liked this. And I'd love to hear what people have to say. I will say, for regular listeners, I did get <laughs> one fan email a month and a half ago. And Google did not tell me that I got it. And I just happened to open up my uh, podcast email address and had this email from a lovely person who was very nice. And I wrote back to him and he hasn't written back, which I understand because <laughs> his email sat in my inbox for a month and a half. I was so upset. Uh, I hope you're doing fine. If you're going through a tough time, please talk to somebody. And um, you can even email me if you're going through a tough time and we'll find a good place for you to uh, work through what you're going through. Um, yeah, hope you have a great day <laughs> and I'll talk to you later.